Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I am just so grateful to Jamie Donnelly, author, speaker, consultant on AR, VR technology for joining us today. Uh, we're going to have a great chat about some of the tech tools and really just the possibilities that these types of experience provide for enhancing learning. Uh, and Jamie is one of the foremost experts uh, on this topic. And so I could not ask for someone better to be on the pod to talk through this. So Jamie, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to us having the opportunity to chat and share out about this. Uh, and so for those that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of your backstory? Sure. Yeah. I was a former classroom teacher. I taught math. I used to come to class and, and just do wild stuff like have a fraction carnival or plant or bake things. And I really found a passion in working on with RTI. So that response intervention group, because students really needed to go in deeper. And that was always a passion, just doing more than what we traditionally do, handing out worksheets and and to me, it was something that if I had to hand out worksheets every day and I had to stand up and lecture every day, I would not want to come to work. So it was almost like I got to bring the fun to enjoy it myself. And I just remember thinking when I went into the classroom, because I became a classroom teacher in my late 20s. And I remember thinking, I get paid to do this? Like, this is awesome. You know, I, I can't wait to get to work the next day. And so I always implemented technology and that was always something that just was more natural and fun for me, but the kids responded so well to it. So later on, I transitioned to, into an instructional technologist and worked in a couple different districts in that capacity, just supporting how to be engaging with technology, how to effectively use it. What are the things that are coming out? Why do we need to be aware of that? How do we protect our kids, you know, but still really encourage them to, to jump in and get the skills that they're going to need for their future. And then while I was doing that, I presented in my education service center here in Texas, I was presented with an app called Erasma and that later became HP Reveal. Um, I remember thinking I was literally in that session creating content. Like I left early and I was like, oh, this is happening tomorrow. So I went back and trained all my teachers <laughs> that week on this tool because it, it really worked across the board. And this is years ago. And when I was showing them, it was like, you know, what's going to stop you from using it? Your kids need to be making this like this is open-ended. This is great. Well, once I started thinking about it, I thought, you know, I wonder if there's other tools like this out there. And that was the start of my immersive technology journey when I just started. One is I get bored really quickly. Like I don't stay at jobs very long. Three years is probably <laughs> like my max because I'm like, okay, time to grow. Let's go, you know? But for me, immersive technology has never been boring to me. I, there's always something new to learn. There's always something to go out and learn about and grow and, and test and, and try out. In some cases, teachers don't like that. They want the same old, same old, right? Like, okay, this is too much change. But for me, it's always kept my attention. And I really love that we can take these tools to anybody. And it used to be with some of this technology that you really had to have a background and doing a lot of the, you know, techie stuff. You have to be this techie person, tech geek. But 
what I love about immersive technology and, and how it's being introduced now is that anybody can jump on. We can have a kindergartner jump on and, and create content all the way through a college student that is going in and adding animation and coding their content. So the range of opportunity and the fact that anybody can do it, it's just an exciting time. And I, I love it. I love looking it up and continue to keep my interest for sure. So much of that resonates with me because I'm with you, Jamie. I absolutely just love when something captures not only my uh, attention and curiosity and imagination, uh, but it's so fun then to pursue that to a degree where you're able to then carry that back into the classroom setting and to watch that replicated through the student's experience. Uh, and I would say that I love doing that as a parent. I know it's been six or seven years since I first put in front of my daughter this Crayola sheet that uh, you color it and the AR makes it you know, pop up out of the sheet and brings to life a, a hot air balloon as it drifts away or a dragon uh, and that, that then starts to move in that AR uh, space. And so before we nerd out too much here, because I'm already with you, this is so cool and, and it's going to be such a fun conversation to explore in further detail. Um, for those that aren't familiar with what we're talking about, AR, VR, can you kind of give us an explanation of each of those similarities, differences? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, when I was exploring Erasma, I was looking at augmented reality. And what it essentially is doing is it's taking a digital experience item, object, whatever it might be, and it's placing it into our real world. In your case, you said you colored some color AR, your Crayola experiences that came through. And I remember when those came out too, and I actually learned from Brad Wade. Um, I don't know if you remember the Brad Wade and Drew, they were doing two guys in an iPad and they really kind of sparked that interest of a immersive technology for me at the beginning. But those tools out there come alive in our space. We can still see everything around us. Our real world is still there. We're looking through a lens, whether that be through a camera in the future, glasses, and, and we're starting to see these experiences coming through, but it's still encapsulated into our real world. But when we talk about virtual reality, that concept is more about the experience that overrides our, our real world, right? So we're gonna see something digital all around us, left, right, up, down, behind us. Everywhere we look, it's going to be this other reality that isn't our true space. So I can be at the train station or I could be up at the Eiffel Tower. And as I'm looking around and exploring, it gives me the illusion that I've traveled to the moon. And it could be as simple as pulling a device up and looking around. It could be something as you know, more complex as wearing a high-end headset that is tracking where you're walking and your movements. But, you know, virtual reality can range from even just being on a Chromebook and clicking around and looking around or creating content. So there's a lot of different ways that all of this technology works, some much more advanced, some much simpler, um, but really all of them having that, that commonality. Now, mixed reality is another term that kind of came out of all this. And what you're going to see is that being a much more intensive technology being used within augmented reality. So when you said you colored that sheet and then that balloon came out and appeared in your space and it was all colored with the colors you put on there, you know, 
looking at that machine learning and artificial intelligence interwoven into it, we're able to see now we don't need that sheet to scan, that that can just appear in my space because it's picked up where the floor is and where the walls are and what the lighting is in the space. And in addition to that, it's gonna be able to float behind me and, and in front of me as I'm standing there because it, it identifies with people. And then in also looking at the future of that, it's gonna be able to be scalable and, and translate and, and movable with my hands because it's picking up that my hands and my gestures that I'm providing. So all these pieces that we're going to be able to interact with this content are not tethered to a sheet or a barcode, if you will, something that's tied to that, but now is something that's literally just all around us in our space. So that whole thing that we've talked about though is pretty much taken as immersive technology. So augmented, virtual, mixed reality, X reality, right? All of those realities um, all together in that immersive technology experience. So typically you'll hear me talk about it as immersive technology, as opposed to just purely identifying one or the other. Gosh, and I think being able to give terms to those experiences really helps to uh, wrap your mind around specifically what a particular app or tool or the, like you're saying, the user's experience in going through that. And that, that I like thinking of it, that as being immersive, um, the way that you're phrasing it there. Uh, there might be people listening into this then that would say, what is the real world application of this then? So there are these things that exist in this virtual space that you can see, experience, be, be a part of or engaged by visually, but in like an educational sense, what does that produce? And I'll go to actually one of my own experiences here. I, it was about two years ago, I went to a museum in Omaha here in our state. And the exhibit was uh, on virtual reality. And it was really artfully done as you walked in. They had a bunch of the old, um, what were the red clickers called? The viewfinder lens things? Viewmaster, yeah. Yeah, Viewmaster. And they had a bunch of those sort of artfully hung from the ceiling with different, you know, spools in there that you could um, harken back to your childhood and recognize that some of these things had their footings uh, in a toy that I think I was using in the 80s, right? Maybe earlier than that. Uh, and then you went right across from that exhibit uh, and put on a headset and see what an artist had created using Google Tilt Brush. And it was Wow, it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever been a part of at a museum. And I thought, gosh, what this does to even redefine my perception of art uh, was, was remarkable. And so how are you seeing that kind of change the way that people think about all these other disciplines as well? That's such a great question. You know, when we talk about technology in general, a couple things. So one is that comes to mind is we go into this technology sometimes head first without a plan. And when we're using this technology, maybe we were inspired by HP Reveal or Erasmus and we're like, wow, that's, that's really great. Let me make this work, right? So I went into it the same way. Um, a lot of the technologies that we use and have brought into the classroom is typically an enthusiasm for what's possible. And then you start exploring it. When really any technology should be looked through the lens of what is my goal? What do I need to accomplish? And sometimes it's not technology. Um, sometimes it's not AR, VR. You know, sometimes you're going to find that what your students really need have nothing to do with that. And by pushing that technology, it really makes it ineffective, which is why that question is even presented because there are apps out there or use cases where there really hasn't been any transformation at all in the classroom because of that technology. 
But that's the power of AR and VR is that we have the opportunity to do something with that that is impossible without it. So I will have times where I'm telling my students, let's say where they have to go out and they're gonna have to write about the ocean. They're gonna have to tell me about something that is out in the ocean and, and how that relates to life and, and what we can do about that or reading content about the ocean and things to explore. But yet I have students even here in Texas that had never been to the ocean. They have no idea. And I'm guessing in Nebraska, that's going to be the same thing, right? right? They may have no concept of what it's like to actually go to the ocean. And so we're expecting them to make connections with something that they've never experienced. And that is a difficult place for our students. And I think this is an opportunity to do more than just bring them to the ocean, but maybe giving them those experiences and connections to learning is going to be a bridge for the impossible. So when we talk about the moon, can you bring your kids to the moon? No, none of us can bring our students to the moon, but we can with this technology. We can actually bring them to Mars right now and we can explore Mars in such a deeper personalized experience than what we see through NASA's website, right? I can go in and I can have them walk around on Mars and explore because that is being captured and taken and available to us. So all of those experiences, I think, are part of the learning process. That's, you know, we bring experiences in all the time, but sometimes it's impossible. I can't have you test out certain chemicals because it's going to create an explosion. But guess what? In VR or AR, that's absolutely possible. You can make mistakes without the consequences of what's in real life that can happen. Riding a vehicle, learning a new trade, you know, learning how to use certain high-end technologies or high-end vehicles that could potentially be catastrophic for you or the company and financially. So all these different aspects of how we're using this technology come into play. But I will say that there's even a deeper meaning because I had an experience and I did share this just recently in my past book, but I had an experience two years ago at Thanksgiving, right before COVID hit. So 2019, where I went and brought my headsets for the kids and the family. So there were people that were joining in that I had not met before, um, extended family, fairly new part of the family. It's my sister-in-law's family. And so had a chance to go in and bring these headsets because the kids just love it. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. So I brought my Oculus Go and I brought my Oculus Quest and I brought in another headset that required a computer. And so I brought it in and said, hey guys, let's play. And everybody's like, yeah. So everybody goes for the Oculus Quest because that was the one that was out recently. And um, they were all playing and having a blast. Well, one of the kids that were there had, from the time he was born, he did not have function with his legs fully or his hands. So what he found his work around with was his feet, but he was in a wheelchair, so he couldn't get around and walk himself, but he used his feet as his hands. So it gave him the capabilities of maybe having a cell phone and he was in middle school. And so he had a chance to do things that, you know, you would never think in his situation he'd be able to do, but he he did him because he was determined. And so I asked him if he wanted to test out the virtual reality. Well, there's a, a remote that you have to hold or two remotes potentially. And he was optimistic and he said, yeah. So I knew which device I needed to give him, which was the Oculus Go. And which very rarely would I have recommended when I had an Oculus Quest and an Oculus Go, but because 
this individual needed something different for his situation, I knew that the Oculus Go was the right tool for him. So I put him on and I brought him to the moon and he was with Neil Armstrong. And, you know, then we went on to all these different activities. We went into the ocean. We, we had all this fun and he was like, Hey, I want to do the roller coaster. I was like, bad idea, but you know, go for it. Every kid has to do it. Just get it out of your system. So he did it. And um, then at the end of it, I was like, you know, do you mind if I ask you what your thoughts are? And like, Cause I mean, I'm just sitting there just like ready to cry. I'm just loving every minute of it. Just watching him have just so much fun and, and the enjoyment and something he had never experienced before. Just like we do with all of our students when we get to witness something new for them that they love. And I said, can I just speak to you and, and get a little feedback? I'd love to interview you on what you think about this. And I said, you know, have you ever experienced this? No, we don't have anything like that at school. There's nothing even remotely close to this. And I said, you know, well, what, what was your favorite experience? So I'm thinking, you know, Neil Armstrong, hello. Right. Um, and of course, what did he say? Uh, the roller coasters. And I was like, <laughs> you're, you're kidding me. And I was like, didn't you get sick? Yeah, but it was so much fun, you know? Okay, why the roller coasters? And it kind of took me by surprise. And he said, I've never been on a roller coaster. I can never go on a real roller coaster. And it just put things into perspective that this technology is doing so much more than just providing deeper learning experiences. It's actually providing opportunities that are impossible without it. Um, we see people that are suffering from, you know, even phantom pain, one side of the arm is gone and you have a chance to use this technology to actually trick your brain into seeing that arm. They actually feel like they're in pain. There's no arm there but their brain is telling them that they're in pain in their arm and they can't do anything about it other than medicate them. And so this virtual reality is actually taking people off of meds completely because they can now see an arm there and immediately their brain turns off the pain. It's just a really surreal thing on what we're capable of doing using this technology. So I think the power of it is really up to us and up to our students is we can keep it surface level. We can replace it for something that's unnecessary and we can use it just to push it in, or we can take this kind of technology and we can impact people's lives and give them opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. And hearing that, yeah, so not only is this an opportunity then to, to hit some of those things at that far end of the SAMR model, but I, it wasn't that long ago that well, actually, I guess it has been a while. It was before the pandemic when I'd taken my kiddos to Legoland uh, in Kansas City, and they had like a 4D experience there, and just a number of other things. And my mom, who went with us, was like, gosh, and you wonder why kids are bored in school. <laughs> when, when that's kind of what you're able to experience outside of an educational setting and be so immersed and be so engaged and have your imagination just captivated and, and your ability to create, you know, to have those avenues uh, to develop things in that space uh, beyond just experiencing them uh, is worth looking into, if nothing else, right? And, and so that really, I guess, kind of pivots to my, my question, which is, as an educator who maybe doesn't have any exposure to this, right? Let's say I'm learning about AR, VR for the first time on this podcast. <laughs> How do I go about determining what, what's even possible and then how I should think about implementing it from there. I mean, simple question here, Jamie, really, but. <laughs> right. Well, and that's always the question. And that I will tell you is the most difficult part 
you know, a lot of people just say, okay, we'll do this app and do this app. And that's really, I think the future of where we need to head in immersive technology is we need to establish our goals. We need to know exactly what we're looking to do in order to bring this technology in. So if you're saying, I wanna get started, but where do I start? Well, where you start is your standards. You know, where are your students struggling and where are they really going to need a bridge to make those connections? You know, as a former math teacher, I know where my students struggled. They struggled with proportions. They really couldn't get the concept of what was happening because all we did was talk about it in formulas. But when you brought in what that proportional change did and you had them actually change a portion of their image and warp it one way, but not the other way, oh, what happened to our photo? then you got to see that stuff actually practical in their lives. So there are things that we're going to bring in through immersive technology that are directly going to target. And I, I think it's a good point that you brought up earlier that identifying what is this technology first, the AR, the VR, the MR, whatever that is, um, often comes back to what devices do I have access to? You know, do I have headsets? Most don't, nor do I encourage most to have. Um, but, you know, a lot of times we have the tablets or we have some sort of mobile device available. And so as they're looking at what is possible with the tools that they already have, you would be surprised how much you can do with that technology. But then in addition to that, once they identify, you know, where their limits are, then as they're identifying that standard and saying, okay, this is what we need to target what tools are out there, then you can really be precise about what you're researching. Because when you're just opening it up wide and well, what's out there, immersive tech? Well, what are you gonna see? You're gonna see the companies that have done the best job at marketing. You're gonna see the companies that are selling you the biggest products. You're not really gonna see the product that's going to align for what you need. So identifying that, bringing parties together. I can't tell you how many times a teacher goes rogue and says, I'm gonna do this. They're instructional department's not on board, their technology department's not on board, and they hit a million stumbling blocks along the way because there was no communication, there wasn't a vision holistically, and I really think that is a critical piece of bringing in any technology as well. And in all of that, and I know this is like, Jamie, this is bigger than I thought. Can't you just give me an app? Yeah, I, sure, I can give you an app, but you're really not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish at the end of the day if that's the direction you go, I'm, I'm helping to avoid all the problems you're going to face along the way. And you're getting to that success for your students quicker by avoiding those things. So I did write learning transported. I will tell you, I am not a writer. I was a math teacher. Remember, I still do not like writing, but that is like 90% of my life right now, which is super strange. But I found that teachers need to have it in writing. If they're going to hear it on podcast or they're going to watch it on video or join your session at a conference, they really want to have it written down too that they can reflect on and add their notes. So I made it a point to make sure that it was written down and learning transported was presented to me by ISTE asking if that was a book that could be written. And is there enough to go into a book? I remember that question and I laughed. I said, there's uh, so much I can never fit it in a book. I'm going to have to be very precise and, and strategic on how to make that work. But the book really covers a couple things. One is what is this? Two is how to be successful in implementing it to get started. And then three is how can I use it with these different standards to give them an idea of how it actually looks in a classroom? Because that's where people get stumbled. They are like, well, this is great. I'm in, but I don't even know how to even actually apply this now into my lessons. It's not built in. 
So showing how that could be interwoven into our curriculum and within our lesson plans was the next step. And, and of course, sharing tools. So I think that that is really the best approach. Partner with your instructional technology team, get connected with your department head and start building that vision of what you want to accomplish. And oftentimes buying something is way later on. You have so many tools right now available to you on the devices you already have. That's so great that you yeah, reference your text there and that, that process, because I do think that that's tough because so many of us got into education because there's an educator that inspired us and we wanted to have the same kind of impact. So we charged into this profession with what we learned in college and then what we experienced in our own K-12 background. And I don't know about yours, but I did not have ARVR <laughs> in my formative years. Uh, and so that implementation has got to be a fairly sticky sticking point for people as they start to think about, wow, there's this really powerful, awesome, immersive experience that I'd love to connect my learners with, but how does that integrate? Um, and so uh, I would definitely point people listening into your uh, book to be able to, to check that out, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely, or connect. I can't tell you how many superintendents or principals or IT or instructional curriculum that I've talked to that said, hey, which device should we buy? And I go, oh, hold on, <laughs> what are you doing with this? And then we have these great conversations and all I'm doing is asking questions. You know, what is your goal? What do you have available? You know, what does success look like at the end of the day with any technology? And sometimes I walk away and I've talked them out of using AR VR, which is just the crazy thing because I love it. But what their purpose in using it for would have been a disaster, would have been a total train wreck because they wouldn't have gotten what they were looking to get. And they often haven't thought through that process and just being part of that conversation to guide them in using it. So a lot of the times when I get people reaching out all the time, which I love, you know, I love being a part of that journey with them. But um, I often say, hey, can, let's chat, you know, let's take 15 minutes, let's talk this through. And nine times out of 10, there's a second follow-up conversation. It's almost like you're giving them homework. Okay, have you thought about this? Have you thought about? And then they're like, uh, no, I haven't. I'll get back to you. And then they come back and they've like, you know, they're ready to go. They know what they want. They're, they know what they're looking for. Let's follow up. Let's define this and move forward. So it's really good because I just don't think there's a simple answer. And to be honest with you, Andrew, I don't think there's a simple answer for any technology. And if that's the approach we're taking, we're, we're doing it all wrong. You know, we really need to dig into what we want to accomplish with it first. Yeah, I mean, I would even zoom out further and say, I don't know if there's a simple answer to effective instruction. <laughs> like, like whether you're leveraging technology or not, there's a amount of intentionality that goes into making sure that that's effective and, and the reflection that comes in iteration after iteration of the evolution of those things. Uh, and so I'd imagine too, that with this, the more you sort of implement these types of experiences, the better you have to get, right? 100%. The more defined your tools that you're looking for, because you, you are able to see what's possible. So, okay, if that tool does that, like I did with Erasma, okay, if Erasma can do this, what if there's a tool that does this? So I started looking up those tools for what I needed, as opposed to just looking at the tool in general. And then when I started doing that, then I was like, I can't believe this exists. This is amazing. <laughs> So a lot of the tools that I find are actually just research. It's just going out there saying, you know, I keep getting questions about this. I keep hearing people want storytelling. Like what out there 
can we bring to the table that's really going to bring storytelling to a different level? What out there gives our students a chance to be the storytellers? What out there makes them the center of the story? So as you go out there and really start honing in on what you're looking for, there's so much out there. It's incredible, but you just want to search for the right stuff. Yeah, and I think one place to get exposed to some of the things that are potentially out there uh, would be your 31 days in ARVR, right? We yeah. uh, kind of share what that initiative is. It's going on right now here in March as we air this podcast. Yeah, so I'm a little crazy because I have a blog that goes out every single day in March. So this is my third year. And the reason why I did it my first year was because I said, you know, what month is the slowest for me? Because this would be a great month to, you know, have some activity going on and things that I'm sharing. And typically March is not one of those months where a lot of conferences are going on because we're all getting ready for standardized tests. And I remember that kind of being a low month for me, even as an instructional technologist, that typically people have more time to actually go out and research and prepare and kind of get ahead of the game for the summer and trainings. So I said, March is a good month for that. So I decided to do 31 days of ARVR and EDU, just thinking through and, and how to use it. And so every day is a new tool. And what I love about it that I've shared with you before is that it really appeals to different people at different days. It's not like this is all just for general education, which is, you know, some tools you could probably apply it in a, a variety of ways. And some tools are very strategically targeted to maybe fifth grade science. So as you're looking at these tools, you're just going to find that some days really hit home for you and some don't, but that's okay. If you walk out with one for the month, that's a win for all of us. It's a win for you. It's a win for your students. It's a win for me. So it really is just showing the variety of what's coming out, but also honing in on some of the new technologies that we need to be aware of preparing our students for and some of the things that you need to be considering because people jump into purchases without really preparing for what's coming out next. And so really honing in on like, hey, this is a technology, this LiDAR technology that's out right now. It's awesome, but that needs to be on your future devices. So as you're considering doing your refresh, you need to also consider how that kind of technology can impact your learners. And if you're limiting it to an older device, which is fine. It's going to be cheaper. It's simple to put together. And I get it. Like there's a lot of benefits there. Then just realize you might be limiting your students from exploring this new technology that's really going to explode, especially when Apple releases their glasses and we start seeing these headsets coming out. So all of those things that are ahead and we're leading up to, a lot of this is really just building that education of, hey guys, this is coming. Be aware this may not appeal to you today, but it will tomorrow. So just to educate the community. Gosh, that really gets to a question that I was going to end with. Um, and I'm not sure that's quite where we're at just yet, but I will say, yeah, what's next? Like, so, so what is it as we look to the future of what the potential this technology holds? Where do you see it going? I think that's a great question because as we're looking forward, even if you're getting started now, you want to make sure that the direction you go doesn't limit that future, like we just talked about. So all of us start with experiences. We all start with just taking in content, right? And understanding concepts and going somewhere and exploring. And then that next step is that interaction. I can now interact with those pieces instead of just being a viewer 
like YouTube, watching a YouTube video, but instead, you know, I have a chance to now move things in this video or this experience. And, and when I click here, this now happens. And then you move into that next phase of the students building content. So we go from that consumption to production, right? Our students are producing the content for us. They're producing content to demonstrate knowledge of concepts. So all of those pieces are those phases that people are going through. It doesn't mean you can't experience anything anymore or that you can't just do the creation anymore. Those all are happening at different times, depending on what your goal is. There's gonna be times where you need them to have experiences and then there's times you need them having creation. But what you wanna avoid is only doing just all consumption. If your students aren't building or creating, that is not the progression of where you should go. They should not only be at a place where they're just taking in somebody else's information that they've built for them. And then I think that next phase, and this is the part that I'm most, most excited about, is really looking at what this means for the individual learner. And that's where, you know, that story about which device was selected for this middle schooler that could not use his hands and had to use his feet inside of this VR experience. And that that's also when it comes into play with what we're possibly limited to with the technologies that we have access to. It could come into play with that individual that really just loves reading, but really struggles with math. And so finding the tools that are gonna to appeal to them on that level of reading and maybe that storytelling that bring in the math concepts in a way that's going to resonate for that student. So identifying where our kids are requires relationships. I, I feel like I never have an easy answer, which is people are like, I'm never inviting you on again. Um, but that's the point is that it's not easy. Education is not easy. It's a goal. It's something we're always working towards. But you know, at the end of the day, this technology isn't for us. So getting out of this comfortable, okay, that I don't know how to do everything that Jamie just talked about. Guess what? I don't know how to do everything I just talked about either. I'm learning with you. I'm learning bits and pieces. I'm excited about it. I jump in head first sometimes and I shouldn't, you know, so there's times that I'm going through that same process with everyone else. And if anybody claims to be the expert, they're really not because this technology is coming out so quickly, nobody knows everything. And so it does take a community. It takes a community of people to work together and to have bouncing ideas or I'm running into this problem. What have you found? So there's some really great community places I'd love to share, Andrew, but um, I will tell you that as you progress in this, really identifying what who your students are, and that's going to range from class to class, which might also make the tool change, right? And also identifying how can I best meet their needs? And then sometimes that requires app smashing. Sometimes that, that takes an app that had no purpose in that way, and you have found a way to make it work because that's exactly what you needed. So don't be defined by what these companies have made these tools to be you make it what it needs to be. And there's so much opportunity out there for us to do that and a collection of devices, tools, and resources that we can really make these tools work together or independently for what our students need. So it's, you know, a new environment and it's really exciting to see what we can do with that. So appreciate your responses here because you're right that uh, the answer is often nuanced. And I think that's because teaching is an art. 
you have to craft experiences and you have to leverage tools in ways that they were intended to be used and, and ways that they weren't. And we can go back to popsicle sticks. You know, I mean, really, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. This profession has been about that work for a very long time. And uh, you talked to about how part of developing that art is being a part of a community of people who are invested in like work. And, you know, it's worth noting, it's not our organization, but it's certainly for Nebraska, it's one of our organizations is NIDA and the NIDA conference that you're going to be sharing at. And so would be more than happy to promote the folks check that out. That's also here in March, if they want uh, to learn more from you, Jamie, and more about this topic. Um, where else might you point us, right? Um, you said your blog, so maybe referencing that uh, again, and then thinking of places where we might be able to get into not only just receiving information, but conversations maybe around some of this work so we can start to think together. 100%. I started an ARVR and EDU chat on Twitter years ago. It's been now, I think over four years. And so starting that community was one of the ways to be able to have these kinds of conversations and not being restricted by time because people can always go back to those conversations and always connect on social media. So doing the Twitter chat was really difficult for me to get started because it was a big commitment. This is every week for how many years? I don't know, a couple of years. No, it's been every week for four years. So there's times that I get it, give myself a little break, like during this month for 31 days, but I decided this month, I'm going to go ahead and just push forward because it's just been such an odd year so far. But I will say that the, that Twitter chat has so many wonderful people to get connected to. So if all you do is go to Twitter and you look up hashtag A-R-V-R-I-N-E-D-U, there's going to be just an enormous amount of resources and people to get connected to. And you could type in your questions and use that hashtag. You'll get responses from that hashtag. And I also started a Facebook community, which I need to be a lot better at and communicate a lot more, but I'm generally just posting stuff in there. But there are some other really wonderful Facebook communities out there that have been started on this topic of immersive technology. And a lot of the companies have even created these communities like Merge has created a really great AR VR community in there on their product. But again, connects you to great people that have common interest. And that's the goal is just getting them connected because there's just no one person and doing it on your own, you're going to run into all these problems and having a community to connect with is just going to help your students at the end of the day, just progress that much faster. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. Some of those Twitter chats even have gone into some of these apps to hold the conversation in a different space. Am I right? Yeah. Well, I think I that think I was in one once that happened. Really? What happened? Uh, <laughs> I think this, I've been in a number of Twitter chats, but I think we went into Roomful at one point in time uh, and had a, a chat in there. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we've had, I very rarely do a Twitter chat where I'm just like, answer this question, answer this question. <laughs> it's really about exploring. So usually what I do is I show a new tool and we go in and play during the chat, which yeah. is just very unusual. Sometimes in VR, sometimes it's AR, but it's really, sometimes it's scavenger hunts, you know, there's just, it, it really just varies. But the goal is one, again, keeping my interest. Why would I want to keep going back to this? <laughs> I love talking about or doing and playing with everyone again about community building, right? Helping us all connect with one another. But then 
I can't tell you, and you know this as, as an instructional technologist, but teachers are hesitant to using it until you do it with them. Once yeah. are empowered to do it, then all of a sudden they're like, I can do this. I've had a chance to play it with myself, even conferences. I hate giving conferences and going up and sharing stuff. I always love to get them involved. All right, now it's your turn. I showed you something, now you're gonna test it. And that is, I think, my, how my brain works. And I think a lot of other people, it gives them the confidence. So the Twitter chat is almost like a little mini PD session where we get together and we get a chance to play with different tools. And it, it's so easygoing. There's no wrong question. There's no wrong answer, really. We're, we're there to support one another. And the community is so incredible to support other people and, and hitting their goals. I mean, I, I am amazed by the community. They are so giving, caring, really passionate about technology and really passionate about education and how all those two come together. So it, it's just a great community to be connected to. Gosh, yeah, I, I would play off of that and say that I had a chance at ISTE to hang out with one of those, like after the conference, you know, evening socials with a lot of those folks that are invested in that same work. And gosh, it's what a bunch of really creative and just genuinely kind-hearted educators who are looking to share and excited to, to just pick up new ideas, just like you are. Right? <laughs> and so thank you so much, I should say, for, for sharing today um, and for all the ideas. I would point people again to the NIDA conference to make sure that they check out the 31 days in AR, VR, to check out your blog. Uh, and yeah, anything else that you'd like to maybe point people to as we bring this to a close? Yeah, I just published with this be my second book. And it is called the Immersive Classroom. And it's customizing these experiences specifically for your individual students. And I will tell you, it's so full of stories like the one I shared. It's so different than book one, but it really complements it for that next level. It really goes into the heart of why we do what we do. The first book is really about, you know, the foundation of knowing kind of how to approach it, what to do, what is this? And this book is really about like why it's so important we do what we do and why it's critical for our students to be on that right path to using this kind of technology. So 100%, it's a very different book, but I love it. It's not perfect. I'm not a great writer. It's an easy read for sure, but it is, it is definitely one of those that will kind of tug at your heart as to why we're using some of this technology. Uh, when I know I'm not supposed to be like impressed with the flashy tool, but I did see there were some cool AR features to your book too, that you can use. Every image is interactive. So if you go into VR or you actually see it come to life or you go in and play and you create everything in the book is interactive with those images. So, uh, it was my goal in the book one, and I never can go back and accomplish it. And this time I said, I'm not going to publish it until I get that down. So it's, <laughs> Every, it's gonna actually get you to using tools that you wouldn't use, but that was the point. I'm not using the same one all the way through. I'm using different tools for different pages. So you have a chance to go in and explore firsthand what it looks like. Just love that vision and uh, that opportunity to kind of practice what's being preached in the moment. So uh, uh, Jamie, thank you for all your leadership, for what you're doing to kind of move education in this direction uh, and lead in that space, as I'm saying. So, uh, and thanks for being on the pod today. We appreciate having you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.